Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Battles, a strength and conditioning coach and the founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. The Practice Brave Podcast brings you the relatable, trustworthy, and transparent health and fitness information you're looking for when it comes to coaching, being coached, and transitioning through the variables of motherhood and womanhood. If you're a pregnant or postpartum athlete or a coach working with this population, this show is specifically designed for you. All right, let's get started. Welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. Today, I'm here with Kendra Miller and Tiffany Rickey, and they are both registered dietitians as well as pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coaches. They are in business together, and today we're going to be talking about nutrition during pregnancy and postpartum and gaining a lot of perspective from them. And I'm really excited to have this conversation. So thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. We're excited to join you. Yes. Absolutely. So start off, tell us a little bit about yourselves and background and how you started working together and things like that. Love to learn more. So we are uh, Fueling Life Nutrition. We're both registered dietitian nutritionists and personal trainers along with the P and PA coaches. And we deal with mother athletes. So we believe that all moms are athletes and their training can vary for sure, but it takes a lot of work and effort to be a mom and to take care of littles. And then when you add on fitness endeavors, whether that's, you know, getting in your 30 minutes, five days a week, or whether that's training for a marathon, we support mother athletes in that aspect and help them to see that food is fun and food is fuel and food is good. Um, and kind of really back away from the diet train and that mindset, um, which is all around us and kind of almost countercultural to be, I don't want to say anti-diet, but to focus on to eat a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that there is, it's a hard job being a registered dietitian these days. I'm just going to say that. Yes. <laughs> really I agree. There's a lot of myths out there that are truly believed. Right. And so I think I would love to hear a few different things. Like one, like what separates a registered dietitian from like a nutritionist or someone who does nutrition coaching? Like what is the, the value there for those of us who maybe just don't, we're not super familiar with the nutrition industry and from a professionalism standpoint. Yeah. So a registered dietitian is someone who has gone through undergraduate courses for nutrition. They have a background in health and wellness. A lot of times this could be a pre-med background. Um, with that, on top of that, they do what's called a dietetic internship. And with that, it is a hands-on approach to nutrition in several different forms, be it from food service industry to clinical nutrition when you're in the hospital, community rotations in the WIC office, a varied amount of nutrition services and what they look like in day-to-day life. From there, you have to take an exam and you have to pass the exam in order to (laughs) apply to become a registered dietitian. From that point forward, you have to continue to obtain continuing education credits for education. And so you're abreast on what's happening in the science behind nutrition. So whenever someone asks us, what is a registered dietitian is we typically say, you know, it's the person that translates the science behind food to everyday living. We're the in-between between the medical jargon and the day-to-day life of how you should be living your life when it comes to food. Absolutely. And so then what does a nutritionist do? And do you go by that title ever or no? I know I'm asking That's a, a good question. question. It's so, like uh, a fire under you. So <laughs> I a have lot an of times we'll actually refer to ourselves as nutritionists. And the reason is, is because people are more identifiable to that okay. term. I think both of us would say, you know, 10 years ago, it really got under our skin to call ourselves a nutritionist, but thankfully the credentialing agency has changed the term. So you can call yourself a registered dietitian or a registered dietitian nutritionist. And, um, other things is that we have protection within different States to call ourselves a nutritionist. So not everyone can call themselves a nutritionist, but you, most people have to be registered dietitian in order to call themselves that. I will say that it's not the case in every single state. So there is a lot of loose jargon there and a lot of free tongues. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the part that gets a little bit confusing because you can call yourself a nutrition coach and not be a registered dietitian. And it just, it's, it's kind of lost in between. So when someone is looking for legitimate nutrition information, they still need to look for a registered dietitian. Yes. You know, if someone asks us, Oh, are you a nutritionist? Yes. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. So that's how we try and turn things. So people understand that that registered dietitian really has that credentialing behind it, the science behind it and the information and education to back up what we're saying. Absolutely. Because I think like the social, social media in general, like 
for example, people come to me all the time and ask if I provide nutrition coaching for pregnancy and postpartum. I'm like, no, like I'm a strength conditioning coach. Like that's not my, that's not my world. Maybe our worlds complement each other. Maybe they kind of phase in and out of, of a specific goal. Right. But that's not my job as somebody who works and is credentialed within the fitness industry and realm. And I know there's a lot of people that truly try to do both. So talk to me about that. So when it comes to nutrition, the nice thing about being a registered dietitian nutritionist is that we can take like this big picture perspective and say like, yes, you want to lose weight, but let's look at all of these confounding factors. Um, and what is the best way for you not only to lose weight, because I don't know very many people that just want to lose weight. Most of them want to lose it and keep it off, but that's not the way that diets kind of promote it. They're just helping you lose the weight, not keep it off. So where this good little marriage now, um, we both are personal trainers, different certifications, but I'm not a physical therapist and I'm not, you know, an exercise physiologist that went to school for all of that. So I can provide a very basic platform of exercise form, et cetera, things that you're learning, but there are some things that are outside of my scope and I'm okay. And I know Kendra is as well, like to say, this is outside of my scope of practice that I, you know, I can help you get this far. I can, you know, coach you this far and I can lay down that, like, obviously you should be exercising. You're going to not be as crazy, maybe, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're going to feel a lot better, but there are limitations to my certification as a trainer, because that's just what it is, is it's not this full on degree like nutrition is. So there are um, nutrition coaches out there that might have some solid things to say, but that ends at their certification. And that's not the, you know, end all be all. And I think like respecting that scope of practice is something that we do with other professions. And we hope that other people do that with nutrition as well. Oh, absolutely. And I love that you guys have both gone through the coaching certification because once again, like these conversations really complement one another. And I encourage all of my fitness PNPA coaches to referred registered dietitians and then vice versa, because just like we encourage everyone to, you know, kind of network and buddy up with a pelvic floor physical therapist or physiotherapist, it's sort of the same thing. We all have our own unique knowledge and skill set and credentials that help us be good at what we do. And then obviously that has a really positive impact on the people we work with. So instead of it being a competition, it's like, really like, how can we bring our strengths and skills to the table to all work together? Right. Absolutely. Um, it's such a collaborative approach to overall health and wellness. It's just not, you know, fitness. It's not just nutrition. It's not just mental health. They all work together absolutely. to really put in that person in general. Yeah. And I find that so many people literally try to do it all and offer it all. And it's like, great, but like, what are you best at? Like, why don't we like leverage that and then bring your friends to the table to help you do good at everything else. And so I'm really appreciative of you guys being here and sharing that perspective because it is super unique. And because I know I get a lot of questions about this. So many people listening to this conversation are probably like, yeah, I have a lot of questions around what should I eat during pregnancy? What can I eat postpartum to help me heal? Uh, what should I do to improve like my tissue density? If I'm having symptoms, things like that, where food can be used as fuel and as medicine. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that. Are you guys open to that? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So let's start with trying to conceive. So when people reach out and they're like, Hey, I'm looking at having a baby. How should I adjust my diet? Maybe let's give you a case study of somebody who works out all the time and they're maybe kind of concerned that they work out a lot. Maybe there are like periods of not having a period. Um, uh, this is a lot of people that we see and we work with, right? Maybe inconsistent periods, not sure if they ovulate. So when trying to dial in nutrition to complement the trying to conceive season, what are your tips there? First of all, say that we're looking at fueling, like how are, how well are you fueled? Are you under fueling? Or are you over fueling? And in most cases, if someone is not having a period in this case, we're, that's a red flag. Like you are under fueling. We need to figure out what's going on and to get you fueled appropriately for that. And now depending on the individual that looks different. So that may be looking at meal timing and say, okay, you need to pump it up in the morning. Make sure that you have plenty of carbohydrates before your workouts, you're refueling after your workouts with the appropriate ratio of carbs to protein. So you can make sure that you are 
refueling those muscles. So if you do need to go out again, and that's okay if you want to exercise multiple times a day, as long as you're fueling for it appropriately and not using it as a crutch. And when you're fueling appropriately, that means that you're also hydrating appropriately too. So you're making sure that you're getting in at least 90 ounces of water per day, additional water if you are a heavy sweater. And like I said earlier, you know, you have different conditions per the individual. So you may need more carbohydrates than your best friend next to you that's doing the exact same workouts. That's five foot tall versus your 5'10. And I'm exaggerating most of the time on that one. But um you have to make sure that you are getting, first of all, baseline nutrition and make sure that you're getting enough calories, enough carbohydrates to really fuel your body and then refueling after your workouts as well. Okay. I have two questions. How do you know how much you should be eating? And then there's this fear of, of, of like fueling, right? There's this fear of like, well, I don't want to add carbs. I don't, I'm afraid I'll get fat or I'll gain weight or this or that, where it's like this counterintuitive thing. Like you're telling me to add more, but I don't want to. So can you touch on that? <laughs> well, so, so I guess, um, and I have been someone that struggled with infertility, um, kind of just unexplainable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand the frustration, like your body has one job and it's not doing what it's supposed to do. But the question is like, if it is amenorrhea or, or not having a period from under fueling, um, you could be within normal weight recommendations for your height and still not be enough. So we don't necessarily, um, we don't really recommend a lot of counting of, of what you should have because typically it can lead to something a little bit more obsessive. And so what, that's what we're trying to back away from, especially when trying to conceive and get a period back. So we would say, um, let's start small. So are you working out fasted? Well, that is just raising your cortisol levels and taking from your hormones and kind of creating, um, an issue there. So then we would say, something as small as juice, just have four ounces of juice, just get some carbohydrates in your body. So something that your body is going to be utilizing right away. And then a good helping three servings kind of just, it it really depends on the individual as to what their buttons are, which is why we kind of like to get to know them a little bit better before working with them. We give examples and ideas of how to structure that. And when we work with clients, we have our healthy platform that we use. It allows people to take pictures of their food. So we can kind of get a full day look and say, wow, when I said more carbohydrates, I didn't mean, you know, just, um, half of an apple. I meant the full apple and the oatmeal (laughs) in the morning and kind of really, um, when Kendra said that we, you know, translate the science into application is explaining how carbohydrates work in the body. They absolutely can't make you fat, you know? And so how do you kind of work around, like, what are their food rules? What are their food hesitations? And then how do we kind of weave our information in with them um, so that they can feel very confident about the choices that they're making and then see results, like start to see a period. And the, the very basic question comes back to, are you willing to let go a little bit of your food control in order to get pregnant? And if you're still struggling with that question, then figure out that question first, and then we can definitely help you. And that's a hard place to be. That's, and that's so beautiful. I love everything you said there, because that really is that holistic support or holistic role that I think we all really try to assume in working with this population is supporting the whole person, who she was before, who she is currently, what she, who, and what she wants to become. And really examining a lot of those belief systems and identity, athlete brain, even surrounding food, you know, like there's so much of that even for people that are like, well, I don't have an eating disorder or I don't have like anything. It's like, we've all sort of been uh, like raised in diet culture, right? Like there's no avoiding a lot of these belief systems because that's literally all we've sort of been taught. (laughs) Right. It's ingrained in us, around us all the time. And it's hard to avoid those types of food rules. And like you said, it's, it's all around us. Right. So for trying to conceive, you would suggest maybe upping some carbohydrates just for uh, encouraging like improved hormonal health, essentially. That's where we would start. Again, like Tiffany said, it depends on the individual. Making sure you have enough carbohydrates on board is the number one thing that we find with our clients that are trying to conceive or underfueled, missing that period. So making sure that they have enough carbohydrates on board and refueling appropriately during and after their workouts. Right. It's like so simple, but also 
can be really hard to implement and resistance there. Right. Perhaps these systems are so strong. (laughs) (laughs) So say somebody gets pregnant and they're like, sweet. Tell me like these, like my DMs are like, okay, you're the second person to know that I'm pregnant. Tell me exactly what to do and what not to do. Do you guys get the same thing? Like when people are coming to you and they're pregnant? Tell me what to eat and not eat. I cannot even think about eating this type of thing. You told me to drink all this water, but water just sounds awful. Why? <laughs> so we get a lot of this. I can't do this now. Now, right. right? Yeah. So, what do some of those recommendations look like for people when they they find out they're pregnant and they want to? I'm saying this in air quotes. Like, eat right during this season. So first of all, again, we start off and we say, okay, what, what feels good? What can you eat? Because that first trimester, you know, if you've ever been pregnant, you understand like there are certain foods that just don't sound good. And so you want to make sure that, you know, when we are talking to our clients, that we're talking about food that is actually palatable, that they can stomach and making sure that they're getting in a little something, even if they're throwing up most everything that we want to make sure that they're a staying hydrated. So hydration is probably the number one thing that we want to make sure that all of our clients are doing. And that's where we start is hydration, 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 especially during pregnancy as your blood volume is increasing. You're going to need to make sure that you have enough water on board to help with that development and that increased blood volume. From there, we look at it and we say, okay, well, what can you take in? Okay. You can take in some carbohydrates, the dry crackers or whatever it is that works for you. Some people are like, I can still have everything. I have no food aversions and that's totally okay. That's great. So during that first trimester, really, you know, for the most part, if you already have a very basic healthy diet, nothing really needs to change. You need to make sure you're cutting down on your caffeine. If you're a caffeine drinker, you know, two small cups of coffee is really the max that you can have whenever it comes to caffeine, making sure that you're not eating too much swordfish. Again, not a common problem that we can see. (laughs) Um, but Man, real like, hard to give up. Yeah. Well, tuna, I guess I should say, is another. <laughs> tuna can be pretty intense. Um, so we want to make sure that that mercury is within normal limits, but you're getting enough omega threes in there from other sources, whether it's nuts or oils, things along those lines. We also look at um, iron intake, making sure that you are getting enough iron in the take. So we go back to our blood and we're looking at that. The iron is super important because it helps oxygenate our body. And so whenever someone is lacking in iron, that's why they test your hemoglobin when you're pregnant, it can, it can cause problems during that pregnancy. And so they want to make sure that you're having enough iron can be specifically really difficult for vegetarians or vegans to get enough iron. That's really working within their system. So we're looking at those three things most common whenever we're getting into that second trimester. Again, we're going to start pumping up a little bit of carbon, of calorie intake, energy intake. And we're going to say, okay, you're going to start like you needing a little bit more, but we're not saying that we're eating for two. Um, that's we're trying to get away from that terminology because that's not at all what we're doing. Right. And we want to start increasing our energy intake just a little bit, but wherever we need it. So we come back to that, listening to our body and kind of these intuitive eating practices that we've really established already, hopefully with our clients to understand, okay, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, don't overeat and recognize those hunger and satiety cues. So you know when to stop because that changes during pregnancy and that's okay. That's great. Um, But we want to make sure that we're adjusting it accordingly. Right. So we're eating according to those hunger and fullness cues. We're not eating too much. And then we're getting into the third trimester. So we're uh, making those small, frequent meals. Totally okay. A lot of pregnant mamas, they have some acid reflux. Very common. We talk about different types of foods to help with that. Less than that. Again, we talk about small, frequent meals, staying hydrated, 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 hydrated. If that's one thing you get from this, make sure you stay hydrated. (laughs) And um, then we talk about, you know, what is your birth experience need to look like? And to and I usually say that you are fueling for an endurance event and you better be pre-fueled for it. So, you know, it's like you're running a marathon. Like when you go into that birthing realm, like wherever it is, whatever situation is, you better make sure that you have enough carbohydrates on board to, to keep you there. So we talk with all of our clients about how that should look like and what to do in different circumstances. You know, if it's a natural birth that you're working for, if it's a C-section, you know, how do you adjust 
for your calorie needs, energy needs during the birth experience as well. So we work them through, like I said, that first, second, and third trimester to really understand where their bodies are at, stay hydrated, and figure out how to fuel for that birth experience that they're wanting. Right. So, I mean, there's just, there's so much there, right? Because I remember back when I was pregnant with Kate, I had spent quite a long time being paleo (laughs) back when that was like really, really popular. Um, And when I was early on in my first trimester, I had this like overwhelming craving for special case cereal with strawberries. I hadn't had cereal in like five years. And I was like, whoa, why do I want this so bad that I like literally pulled over, went to the grocery store and just bought that. And then like went home right away and ate a ton of cereal. Like who am I? I'm like totally possessed by cereal right now. But it was so weird, like both the craving and then that almost like an extreme shift in fuel and intake because I was like not wanting to eat any of the things I had been eating. And it was almost like this pendulum swing of like went from being pretty regimented to oh my god give me that kind of food (laughs) right right and your body I mean especially as your hormones are changing and what you can tolerate and what you can't um this is like thank goodness we have a prenatal vitamin that can cover when you're just eating special k and you know tortilla chips um because that does provide if vegetables, you know, make you nauseous or just the thought of the bulk or stuff yeah. that you've been having, um, the smells, the, the, you know, the look of it can just right. be nauseating in and of itself. And so definitely eating what your body will tolerate rather than forcing or not eating at all, because you can't right. eat the things that you like is definitely more important. And your body is like Kendra said, doubling the blood supply. And then the metabolism, not only of your own body, but of the babies requires a lot of just available glucose. And that doesn't come from meat that comes from carbohydrates. And so it's just, if your body hasn't had them or, or a large amount, like it's trying to replenish um, glycogen because, you know, you might've never thought of ever being hungry in the middle of the night when you're sleeping. And then when you're pregnant, you're just like, gosh, I'm up and it's, you know, 1230 and I need some juice or so, you know, something just because that's just such a toll on, on your body, um, to need, to need that glucose. So mm-hmm. one thing that we do just encourage our moms, like if, if you could just look at the whole span of, of your life up till now, this is a very brief, I mean, it feels like forever, like elephant pregnancy, but like, it's a very brief time that you aren't eating quote unquote to your perfect standards. Um, it will be okay because again, the goal changes. The goal is let's have a health, as healthy of a pregnancy as we possibly can. Then you have to shove the baby out somehow. So let's get to that point also. And so, um, in the whole scheme of things, it's really, it's not that large of a time that's going to right. mess everything up. Yeah. There's so much grace that's needed. I think yes. when we are used to being eating a certain way, training a certain way, looking a certain way that it's like, I have found in my experience, both personally and then professionally, like encouraging that grace of like, things are supposed to be different right now. There's like, maybe this would be good, but also this is your reality. So how do we like manage our expectations around what we thought or what we used to do and just kind of survive this season for what it is right now? Like it's freaking okay to not eat salad and chicken like you normally would. And if you, if all you're eating right now is that cereal, you know, that's okay. Like you, it's just going to be okay. Right. Exactly. That's a, that cereal is fortified for a reason. It has all right. that stuff in there. Like, and right. we can tell you all the pros about that kind of thing. If you need it, <laughs> like, there is certain things that there's a reason that your body is craving them. And that is perfectly okay. in most circumstances. Yeah. So you mentioned taking a prenatal um, supplement. So I would love to get your advice on how to, I know you just laugh. Um, how do you pick or know what a good prenatal vitamin would be? And along that lines, I would like to tie in uh, folate and have that conversation too. <laughs> we get a lot of questions about supplements. Um, yes. well, I would love to hear your opinion and recommendations and all of that stuff. Right, Fire so away. Chug that water, girl. <laughs> When it comes to supplements, we have our general recommendation and for all moms and no matter the stage of motherhood, Mm -hmm. um, we recommend a prenatal vitamin because it's closest to the recommended intake of what you're going to get from anything else. 
And honestly, there's nothing really, for the most part, really special about prenatal vitamins. Like where you get on, like I use the Target brand. It's great. I can tolerate it well. It doesn't make me sick and it tends to be well. There's other vitamins depending on the individual that, you know, okay, this one doesn't digest as well. I'd rather take like the um, encapsulated form versus like the hard pill kind. Just find one that works for you. You're looking for a prenatal vitamin that has close to like those 100% recommended daily allowances for the vitamins in there. With that um, folate, you're going to, again, this is where we talk about, this is probably like why you have these cravings for um, (laughs) grains and things like that is because these enriched cereals, they have this folate in them and it is a great source for folate and what you need. That's why you need your carbohydrates. That's why you're needing your whole grains. We like to turn it, you know, you know, when we're talking with our clients, is there a hole in your diet? There should be, it should have before filled with whole grains. So is there a hole in your diet? Ask yourself that, especially during pregnancy, because that gets you your folate and it's the best source is coming from foods. And that's with any type of supplement form. So, you know, whenever someone asks us, what supplement should I take? And I was like, fruits and vegetables. And they're like, no, but it's like, what, what supplement should I take? I'm like, well, fruits and vegetables. And they're like, uh, And I was like, well, you know, you need to make sure that you're getting adequate fruits and vegetables in before you do anything else. Yes, there's going to be circumstances whenever you may need to pump up, you know, for me, it was the magnesium. Like I wasn't getting enough magnesium and I was, you know, I had some cramping and talked with my physician about it. You know, we're using this comprehensive care plan and, you know, sometimes we can't even help ourselves whenever we're talking about nutrition. I'm like, what am I missing tip? I'll call her and I'll be like, Hey, this is happening. What's going on here. And she's like, have you tried this? I'm like, Oh, didn't think about that one, but this is great to have a team. And that's why we work so well together is because of this. And we can say, okay, you know, when we look at our whole team of what could be missing, what is this vitamin that's missing? And okay, well, maybe we can't get enough of it in our day-to-day intake let's supplement with it. But we start with the bare bones minimum, uh, especially during pregnancy, make sure that you're taking that prenatal vitamin, make sure you're getting in your folate. If you need extra iron, which is very common during pregnancy, Mm. take that vitamin with iron. Totally okay. You don't have to take it long-term. It may constipate you. You may need to take some magnesium with it. Again, it's okay. You're making sure that you were having a healthy pregnancy as best as possible. Right. And so can you, I know you obviously mentioned whole grains, um, but can you mention some other foods that you would really encourage to kind of help with the hormones and just, and getting some of those things that we are looking for in supplement form, but like through food, like what are some like really good foods to add to our diet during pregnancy? Just to touch on the vitamins, if you can't tolerate like a, a regular big vitamin, taking Flintstones multivitamins for kids because it does contain a little bit of iron um, can also be easier. So if you're like, I can't choke down this ginormous pill, um, you can chew on some Flintstones and that can help to bridge the gap. So when it comes to depending on what you can tolerate, but like Kendra said, fruits and vegetables, um, there's so many, uh, not only the vitamins and minerals that we need from foods that come in plants. So plants, and this just is your fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, beans, legumes, um, because they provide phytonutrients, which are so vital to our health and yet too numerous to expand on, um, as far as research wise, which is why there are no recommendations for phytonutrients because we really can't um, extrapolate them the way that we can, like this is iron and this is magnesium and this is calcium Mm -hmm. things to get would be, what is baby taking from you? So, um, making sure that you are getting in vitamin D that will be coming in your prenatal or an extra one, um, because baby's going to be taking that baby's also going to be taking a lot of your calcium. So if you can get in any food, let me start with that. It should be something that has some calcium. So if you can tolerate yogurt, if you can tolerate a little bit of cheese, um, if you can tolerate dark leafy greens, almonds, that sort of thing, because you store it in your body. And if it's not in your blood to give to the baby, the baby will come and take it out of your storage, which is why tooth loss and bone loss can be an issue during pregnancy because it's coming from there. Um, Baby's also taking iron. So again, making sure that you are um, keeping up with that. That can come, obviously, if you can tolerate red meat is a great source of iron, but so are those leafy green veggies. So if you can, um, and you're like, I can't spinach, man, nope, no go. Um, try it in a smoothie, try it sauteed, like not out of a can and maybe not out of the freezer thing. And I'm just, (laughs) 
my face. I'm sorry. But if you could do it fresh, you know, something, just try to eat it a little bit differently. Kale's the same way. Um, these, these dark colored greens, Swiss chard, anything that you can get in. And so if you're not a smoothie person, but you can tolerate spinach in a smoothie, that's also another great way where you can throw in maybe some yogurt, um, and some other fruits that would, um, with vitamin C like strawberries or pineapple that will help to absorb the iron from the spinach, that would be also great. So thinking a lot about plants, um, as far as how to support, because it's just going to provide so much more than what you can account for. It's going to help to support your immune system, which is also a little bit lower with baby in there. Um, because you're getting all of these antioxidants that are coming in the form of, um, some vitamins and also those phytonutrients. Yeah. And it's just so hard to eat vegetables when you're pregnant. (laughs) No, (laughs) like, I feel like there was like hardly anything that I was really, everything that I was used to eating, I had a really hard time eating, at least in my first pregnancy my second, a little bit different, but it just felt really hard to want to eat a vegetable. Right. And that's where it's great that you can, you know, if it's a veggie pizza that you're eating, like if it's something in a different manner or even like, um, refried beans, like putting that on as a layer of your sandwich or someplace that you're not really going to see them, um, hide them from yourself (laughs) so that, and, and mixing them in, you know, to smoothies or soups. Like if you can tolerate soups and kind of puree Mm -hmm. some of that stuff, but if you can't, it's totally okay. Um, you will be okay. I think about this. There are people all over the world getting pregnant who mm-hmm. have a nil of the nutrition that we have consistently. So um, the body will make it work. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you if you can't take them in, if you can, that's great. But if you can't, you're not going to be the worst mom. Your baby's not going to not be a genius because you don't get in veggies. You right. will be fine. They're going to learn. There is again, it's like that grace and like recognizing that this is like being concerned about what we eat is during pregnancy is honestly a privilege. And so how can we just like really take ownership of that and, and provide a lot of grace and like less perfection and obsession. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's tough though. It's really, really tough. So now let's uh, phase the conversation into postpartum. So baby comes out. And there's a lot of healing that needs to take place from the inside out for both a vaginal birth and a cesarean birth. There is no better way for the body to have the baby, but there's a lot of healing that needs to take place regardless. So can you talk to me about some ways food and nutrition in general can help support that process, especially early, early on? So again, we want to start with First of all, are you breastfeeding or not? Um, I think that's one of the questions that we typically ask most moms. And if you're breastfeeding, you need to, again, make sure that you are having enough water. Uh, At a minimum, you need a gallon. Have water every nursing time and make sure that you are staying hydrated. And that goes for the non-nursing moms as well. You know, make sure you are staying hydrated. You may not need as much as the nursing mom, totally okay, but make sure that you are getting enough in there to help maintain that fluidity within your system. And then we want to look back at, again, you're going to want to make sure that you have enough plants on board. So plants are going to be great for the repairing. They have one of these amazing phytonutrients in there that are going to really work with this to help with the um, repair process and everything along those lines. So lots of plants, you want to make sure you're having adequate protein, whether you are an omnivore or vegetarian, vegan, you want to make sure that you are having adequate protein on there because you have some repair to make. Your body has some recovery that it's going to have. And so it needs to have those proteins on board. Those amino acids are the building blocks for your muscles. And so you want to make sure that you are putting those in your system so your body can then use them. And again, with that, Tiffany, she talks about this all the time. I, I totally stole this phrase from her, but carbohydrates are protein sparing. So you need to couple that with enough carbohydrates on board. So the protein can do its work. Yeah. So you can't, I would love some examples of that. So like new mom, she's a few weeks postpartum. People are like, can we bring you food or make you food? Or, you know, someone's trying to like offer like good snack ideas. Can you provide some ideas on good food or meal options that kind of complement what you're saying? 
Absolutely. On the spot right now. (laughs) This is what we do. Um, So having, so there's no hunger, like breastfeeding hunger or immediate postpartum hunger. Um, Like the hospital food tastes amazing right after having the baby because it's it's so much work. And so whether you're breastfeeding or not, you, you need a lot of nutrition to help repairing, like all of that, those muscles have to go back. Your body just completed, you know, a marathon, maybe three marathons. Um, and so those like energy bites that have the oatmeal and the honey and the peanut butter in them, um, with chocolate chips, with coconut in there, those would be great snacks to give on hand having, um, they had these little bags of Lara bite, Lara bar Mm -hmm. bites that had the dates and nuts again, all plants to help with recovery, but good, easy energy. Um, if people are bringing you food, you know, and they're bringing tacos, making sure that there's like a side of veggies with the tacos, and then also some chips with the, with the tacos so that you are getting a a good, like a side of carbohydrates, you've got your meat and veggies, and then also a side of veggies in there. Um, if they were going to bring your families, they're making always have, um, a side of brown rice or potatoes or quinoa or pasta, butternut squash, something that has these good complex carbohydrates that are going to hold you over. Um, And don't be afraid to have a snack before you go to bed, because in those very early few weeks, like you're not sleeping, neither is the baby. So um, you're going to be up and expending energy. And so you need something to tide you over so that you can get through, you know, from (laughs) 11 o'clock at night until six o'clock in the morning when you're up a few times. So having, um, even peanut butter and chocolate chips. So something with some protein and some good carbohydrate on board. So those would all be things to kind of have, you know, if you are going to make a protein shake, cause it's easy and you're on the go, throw a banana in there, throw some oatmeal in there, throw some yogurt in there so that you are getting that good carbohydrate. Cause more than likely you'll meet your protein needs. It's just kind of the way that our society eats, um, in the United States. And, um, and so we, we are kind of a very protein heavy culture, but it's getting in those carbohydrates. It's getting in that energy. And for those first couple weeks, and I know this for myself, we have three boys, one is biological. And I swore like, there's no food in the bedrooms ever. Like we don't eat in the bedrooms, but man, I would always be so hungry in the middle of the night, those first couple of weeks. So having something that you can keep in your room um, is really helpful just so that you're not, not getting in your nutrition for sake of having to go find something to eat, having stuff readily available. Yeah. What adds to that too is the one thing that I try and give to new mamas our breakfast foods, because I think that we get all these Mm -hmm. meals and meal trains are great. This is a wonderful source, but having quick go-to breakfast foods is something that's often forgotten. And that's another source of those great complex carbohydrates, a lot of oatmeal, baked oatmeal, um, muffins, quiche, things along those lines that you can easily like pop into the freezer and just pull out a slice whenever you need it. Um, especially if you're waking up super early and not able to go back to bed, or if you need it for a snack time, like those are going to be the the first meal of the day and that you're starting off. And so you want to make sure that you're having adequate nutrition during that time too. So if you're in the middle of, um, you know, a meal train or trying to figure out what to give your neighbor who's pregnant next door, like totally go for the breakfast ones. I think that's something that's often forgotten, but super important as well. Right. That's a good idea. So this next question I'm going to ask to you from athlete brain, pretty hyper-conscious of her body and food intake person. So you're talking a lot about carbs. You're talking a lot about eating frequently and a lot, and you're talking about things like juice where my brain just goes, Oh, sugar. So all of those things that you're telling me as advice when I'm postpartum and my body is all wonky and I don't want to look like this anymore. And you're telling me to do things that feel counterintuitive to what my goal is. If my goal is to stop looking like I had a baby. Absolutely. And I mean, Um, I feel very fortunate to have had the experience to have a baby and to then be like, oh wait, but he's out and I still look like this and this is not comfortable and it's fine being, you know, this way when I was pregnant, but so completely understand that. And so when we talk about, um, fueling and these carbohydrates, 
we're not asking for, you know, 96% of your diet to be carbohydrates. It's just having a little bit in there. And there's a big difference between complex carbohydrates that are fueling your body versus like consistent intake of 12 donuts a day that aren't going to make you feel good. I mean, the first one might, but like 11 later, like you're not going to feel good. So there's all both carbohydrates, but two different makeups of those carbohydrates. So when we say juice, we also talk about the exercise bubble. So like before, during, and right after your, your exercise, your body is prime to use glucose and it'll get it from its muscle glycogen or or it'll be exhausted. So if you're waking up early to get your workout in, you know, before while baby is sleeping, juice is one of the juice, half a banana, rice cake, simple carbohydrates that would dissolve quickly, give your body immediate energy. You really don't need any time to digest it, get your workout on, and then have some more complex carbohydrates after that with protein to fuel your workout. Because otherwise, all that your workout is going to do, if you're not feeding it, is just going to slow down your metabolism because your body is is too busy doing other things that it it says, well, if you're not going to feed me, well, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to kind of turn some light switches off here because um, what's the point? Like I'm not getting fed. So there's a very fine line between keeping up your metabolism and fueling your exercise and cutting back too quickly so that exercise is not effective. And what we see with a lot of postpartum moms, especially ones that were exercising before, this is one of the, you know, as soon as they are able, one of the quickest ways to feel normal, it's your thing, your body, your movement. But if you're not supporting that with nutrition, it's all for not, you know, it's just going to slow down your weight loss process. Um, going forward. And three to four months postpartum is actually when you can start thinking about losing weight. Like your body is really still healing. Um, you're kind of still finding your rhythm. And so that's just another added stress that your brain doesn't need. So yes, it can feel very uncomfortable. Um, but that's it. I, and I think that you've done a really good job of kind of normalizing this conversation. Like it's okay that you are not bouncing back or whatever that means, um, very quickly because it took a long time to get here, you know, and everybody heals a little bit differently. So it can be very frightening to hear those things. But when we work individually with people or in a group setting, we, we really talk through a lot of this to kind of see, like, if you want to run a marathon, you don't start off with 14 mile long runs. We just can't, you're, you're not going to do yourself any good. You're, you're not going to get to the finish line. But if you slowly build up with marathon in sight, you'll get there. So it's the same thing with weight loss. Um, And if just the rest of the culture could get on board, our jobs would probably be a lot easier. (laughs) They would be. And I think that there's just, again, we're up against variables of like our body image of being afraid to fuel because it feels like if I eat more or eat more frequently, or if I eat carbs, then that's going to make it's going to slow down my weight loss, but really it's the opposite. If you are eating more frequently and you're fueling with carbohydrates, it's actually going to help you. And whether you yes. lose weight or you <laughs> yes. don't lose weight, that's like not your goal or you're like, you don't care, like, whatever. It's still what the take weight loss out of it. It's still the healthiest approach for your, for your healing body period, whether weight loss is attached to that goal or need or whatever or not yes 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 <laughs> yes, yes and more yes <laughs> yeah it, it just but we literally have been so brainwashed that mm-hmm. this is going they will backfire and that don't eat or don't eat too much of this certain food group or this the timing of this or that is like you know going to i don't know work against us but really it's what do you guys have to lose? Right. Like those of you listening, like why not try it? You're not going to do any significant damage, right. By trying to eat more and fuel your body, you're only going to help your insides. And then if it starts to have the effect of, of weight loss, then cool. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a really, really, hard, really hard line to walk though. It's really, really hard because it's, there's a lot of self-trust and control issues that I think are attached to a vulnerable period like postpartum. Yeah. Tiff and I like to talk about how, you know, it's weight loss kind of comes in the in-between. If you're thinking of a Venn diagram, like you have this really good nutrition, 
but you have to have the correct mindset. And when you pair those two together, it happens in the overlap between those. So when you have the right mindset paired with the right nutrition, that's when it can happen. And it's not going to necessarily be, I like what you said earlier, it's not going to be maybe your immediate response, but if it happens in the background, that's okay. Your immediate response should be to get healthier, to make sure that you are healing appropriately, to make sure your baby is healthy as possible. So you're, it can come secondary, but that's not the goal of our life. And that's not our goal for lifelong wellness. It's, you know, it can be a, a secondary, uh, result is what I yeah. say. No, absolutely. It doesn't have to be our primary focus. It, if it happens, great. But if not, like at least we feel like we are doing, making healthy choices for our body and for our baby during these seasons. Um, so I want to touch on one thing you said about healing. So a lot of people may experience diastasis or pelvic organ prolapse, incontinence. Um, and so many of these things are attached to tissue healing and tissue improvement tissue damage. Um, so, so much of that, right? So many of these, I guess, aspects of a healing postpartum body have a lot to do with tissue. Um, what kind of foods and things should we consider that may help improve symptoms? For example, I know this is like a really long-winded, uh, question, but I know like people get really obsessed with collagen, right? They're like, Oh, well, I'll just I'll supplement with collagen and that's going to help me heal because they read that on a mommy blog somewhere. So if it's not collagen and maybe part of it is, what are some things we can do that may actually encourage some of that tissue healing? So this is not going to be the popular answer. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to preface this in, in that as well, is that we're going to go back to the same basics that we've talked about beforehand. We're going to go back to our fruits and vegetables, our whole grains. Uh, we're looking at those phyto phytochemicals that are really going to promote those healing that have the enzymes in there that we're going to activate and promote the healing to fight off and ward off any type of infection, things along those lines. Again, we're going to look back at that protein. Yeah, collagen is part of that protein. Um, it may or may not help. It kind of there's mixed research on it. And Jeff can probably add to that in a little bit too. But um, again, you're going to want to look and make sure that you're getting your protein in there so you can repair those muscles, those amino acids, those building blocks that we talked about earlier. And then you're going to make sure that you're having enough carbohydrates on board so your body can actually build back that tissue and reform it and restructure it. So it's working for you rather than against you. So again, not the really popular response. There's no magic pill that's going to make you heal faster, unless you're talking about fruits and vegetables, which are the ultimate magic pill. Um, it's not going to be like some fancy gimmick or this quick fix. It's just basic nutrition, which is not pretty sometimes. What a buzzkill, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there is, there's so much desperation, right? You're like, well, maybe if I just up my magnesium or up this or add that supplement, then, uh, or just eat more of spinach, then I'll obviously <laughs> be better, right? Like maybe, but also it's that complete holistic approach to how we're managing this new body. Um, that's really going to make the biggest difference, but yeah, that's super boring. I know. It was such a buzzkill. <laughs> and I will say like the other thing that I would add to it is, you know, obviously fruits, vegetables, whole grains, they have lots of fiber, but if you're looking at like specific, you know, parts of your diet that are going to help you, it's the fiber too, because the fiber is protective. It's also going to help with your gut. If you're having like issues with help before organ prolapse, or, you know, even just some really like I'm pointing to my stomach because I'm like feeling the yeah. pain. Like, I know there's a lot of pain there and you want it to ease up. And you, you know, bowel movements may be a really hard thing to manage postpartum. And, you know, you want to make sure that you have to have, you have enough fiber in there and enough hydration, water to make sure it's easily going through. And right. so, what are some good, like high fiber foods? Because that's a really good point. I, I, I know I just keep throwing stuff at you guys, but this is what I like. I really like assuming the role of the client here um, <laughs> because so many people who do have prolapse, for example, really have to be mindful of their constipation because constipation can often sort of trigger a lot more symptoms. So if we're trying to avoid constipation before it happens, you talk about fiber, what could that look like kind of like throughout the day? Like give me like a breakfast, lunch, dinner of ways to know that you're getting in fiber that will 
work for you, not against you? That's a, that's a good question. So <laughs> two types of fiber, soluble and insoluble. Soluble is, um, think of like oatmeal and how it can like, it's like sticky glue on the, you know, <laughs> if it sits in the bowl too long, that's, um, soluble fiber. So it, it helps to soften stool and, and push through. And then insoluble fiber provides bulk. And I think, um, of like celery, like the fiber is this, you know, that keeps the stalks up. So you want both of those to, that's such a good workout for your gut. Um, and with, a, but it needs a lot of water. Like it can't, it'll just sit there if it doesn't have a lot of water. So you've got to have your water on board. So a typical day would be, um, getting in, you know, at least 90 ounces of water, which would be, let's just say your regular Nalgene, you know, liter Nalgene, um, two with before lunch, maybe one and a half after from lunch to dinner. And that would be all the water that you would need. Breakfast might be, um, like scrambled eggs and some whole grain toast and a piece of fruit. Um, and in that scrambled eggs, you could put spinach and some other vegetables in there, or it could be oatmeal with a little bit of yogurt, some nut butter and some berries. So you're getting soluble, insoluble. Um, you have your snack of, we just got lar bars with Amazon prime. So that's like, what's on my mind. So like maybe you have a, a lar bar, which again has fiber in there as well, because it is mashed up fruits and nuts. Um, and then lunch. So maybe you have, um, like a, a big chunky salad and you throw some roasted vegetables in there, some brown rice, you've got beans, you've got some hard boiled eggs, like a big salad again, like soluble and insoluble, or you have a sandwich, like a Turkey and cheese sandwich. Um, maybe you have some chips cause you're craving some salty and then you have some fruit with that. So you've got your whole grain bread and your fruit. Um, you know, maybe you have some chocolate chips and almonds or some chocolate covered almonds for an afternoon snack, or maybe some spicy pistachios, um, again, like more fiber there. And then dinner, you know, let's just say that you've got some grilled chicken that you put a little pesto on, um, some roasted broccoli and some roasted potatoes. So that would be like a typical day, give or take food in there, depending on what your needs are. But that's like, where we're having lots of plants, but it's not vegan and where we're having different options, but it's not all, um, kale and spinach smoothies or, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, there's definitely a way to get that in. And when you're pairing those carbohydrates with protein, um, you're actually, um, lessening protein degradation in the muscle with the carbohydrate intake of that protein in there. And, um, especially after exercise. So whether that exercise be like, yeah, you feel great and you're doing, you know, you go for, um, a hike or that exercise is, um, you know, postpartum recovery exercises still like taxing the muscles and allowing them to refuel. So if you're just having the protein shake without any carbohydrates, then the degradation of muscle is going to come along because um, some of that protein, those amino acids are going to be used for fuel rather than the carbohydrates. So making sure that as you are healing and getting this in, um, taking in that fiber, that your protein is not so low. So not just a beef jerky stick, a beef jerky stick, and maybe pair it with a pear. Maybe that's good. I don't know. Right. I found that like, just as a personal example, like when I, I would eat a salad and have like some veggies in there and some chicken, but then I feel like my bowel health wasn't as good as when then I would like add brown rice to the salad with the chicken. And then it was like, oh, I like have a lot more like regular bowel movements and it's like, feels like more effective, you know, but it's something like so stupid and so small that I'm like, I guess I shouldn't be so lazy and just like heat up my three minute freaking rice, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but it really can be as simple as just like diet culture has told us to take away, but effective nutrition culture is to add. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's not very complicated. It's right. very simple. And we, as a culture want to overcomplicate it. Like there's right. gotta be this right way to eat but nobody knows what that is, you right. know? Um, so it's, it's just nourishing your body and enjoying the food. You know, if, if yeah. you love a chicken salad, eat the, eat the chicken on the salad. If right. you don't like that, then don't have that for lunch. You right. know, it's just how, because that is also stress on the body. If the thing that you're doing 
next to breathing the most in the day is not enjoyable, then, then that just sucks all the fun out of it. Totally. Yeah. And it's hard. And then can we wrap up like mom life eating where you're like, shit, I'm on the go. I'm a (laughs) peanut butter and jelly sandwich and eat the rest of my kids. Like cheese crackers that they didn't finish and how some of that stuff. I'm like kind of calling myself out here with this question. But um, (laughs) I think we sort of get into like, we're so busy and we're so on the go. And then you're like, either I don't want to waste food or you're so hungry yourself that you're just like, I'm going to just eat this because then we got to go and I don't have time to like make food. How does that work for us? And how does that work against us? Well, first of all, I would say, Peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Tiffany, this was coming. They're my jam. I love them. They're Literally, so good. I love them. They're so great. And when you put them on whole grains, you get the quick energy from the jam. Tiffany has heard this a lot of times. You're, you're making me feel a lot better about my PB and J. I love them, and they're my son's <laughs> favorite snack. He told someone that today as well. So, like, no shame in the PB and J. First, you said snack, not a meal. You wouldn't consider that a meal. Um. <laughs> you know, if it's a half a PB and J, it depends on the kid's size. Okay. For me, it's a snack. It's a great refueling food. Yeah. So it depends. That's good. That. Um, but uh, so whenever I talk about foods on the go, uh, main thing is, is you're eating. First of all, are you eating? Refueling. You know, we said early on in our conversation, like a lot of the issues that we're finding with our clients is that they're under fueling. Yeah. So making sure you're eating something is going to be super key. If you can plan ahead, that's great. Like if you have snacks on hand, that's great. But again, like Tiffany said earlier, don't overcomplicate it. Take a handful of nuts and, you know, keep some nuts and, you know, apples come prepackaged, bananas, oranges, all these fresh fruit come prepackaged in this really nice format that you can grab and go. Yes, you can grab those granola bars. Yes, you can grab other things that are you can run out the door with. But again, you want to make sure that you're not doing protein solo. You're pairing it with a carbohydrate so you get the lasting energy with the sustainable energy too. Right. Um, so your snacks are going to be super important when you pair them correctly. Carbs and protein, they make a nice marriage for a great snack. When it comes to dinner time, um, I was reading some, some latest research recently, and it's talking about family meal times. So any time that you can get together with your family at a, or sitting around chatting, it's overall going to give you better health, no matter if you just got takeouts or if you made it homemade and slaved over it for two hours than it would if you were going to run through the drive-thru. So if you're getting that run through the drive-thru, just take it home, sit around the table together and sit down and start where you're at too. We're not going to, you know, if we have a client that's like, I am so busy that I can't, you know, we're running from soccer practice and doing this. I'm like, okay, that's great. What can we do? Okay. You got mac and cheese and frozen broccoli in the freezer. Okay. Make up that mac and cheese. You got your carbs, your protein, and you got your veggie from the frozen broccoli. That's an easy, quick meal. And, you know, totally take advantage of that. It doesn't have to be complex. You can simplify it, but give yourself a grace. Again, I feel like we keep talking about that. This grace, keep trying to pair up with those vegetables that you need to have. When we're talking about lunch and dinner, try and make half of your plate uh, vegetables. It's a little bit easier said than done sometimes, but grab them whenever you can. And don't be ashamed of doing for the quick and easy things. Sometimes it's totally okay. And they often get overlooked, but enjoy the food that you're making. Enjoy the time with your family around the dinner table as best as possible. We know life can get crazy a lot of times and then pair your carbs and protein together for a really wholesome snack. I love this. This is super helpful information. Kendra, Tiffany, where can people find out more about uh, the services that you offer or just learn more from you? We are at fuelinglifenutrition.com and then that same Fueling Life Nutrition on Facebook and Instagram. You can message us there. You can find out more. Our email is on our um, website. And if anybody has any questions, um, Instagram DM is really good. Um, So is Facebook. But uh, (laughs) um, those are the three places that we are on the web, Facebook and Instagram. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for sharing your knowledge and your time today. I know it was really helpful. and. Sorry for putting you in the hot seat with some of those, some of those questions, but I've got so many of us across the spectrum of, of uh, experiences. I think 
can relate to to a lot of the conversations we had today. So you guys did a great job. Thank, thank you so much. much thank you. Enjoyable. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you are a postpartum athlete and you're really trying to figure out what next, what does my return to fitness look like? What do I do about my core, my pelvic floor? How do I get back into the movements I want to do in a way that I feel really confident about? I have you covered because I know exactly what it's like to be where you are as a coach, as an athlete, and as a mom. So I want you to download six exercises for the first six weeks postpartum. It's a free resource and it just goes over everything that I think is really important to take into consideration during those early weeks postpartum. Now, if you're ready to begin more of an exercise program, say you've been cleared by your doctor or midwife, I have a eight week postpartum athlete training program, which acts as the perfect entry back into fitness, into the gym, into the kind of movement that you want to do where it's still respecting the changes your body has gone through and how your baby was delivered, but it really helps connect your rehab into the kind of fitness that you want to do in a way that's relatable and fun and exactly what your body needs right now on behalf of your long-term function and performance.